At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Mr. President, I'm here! I voted for you! Wait a minute. That guy on the grassy knoll's got a gun. He's gonna shoot the president. Holy smokes, I've gotta do something. All right, Lee. Time to become an American hero. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to episode number 98 of the Lone Gunman Podcast. This is your host, your boy, Rob Clark, at the helm of the ship. Today, we're going to be talking about some tramps, some hobos, some bums. Now, everybody that's looked into the JFK assassination has had to have had their attention drawn to these three mysterious figures photographed being arrested and led through Dealey Plaza at one point or another. Uh, I believe they were first brought to our attention by Jim Garrison uh, when he showed their picture on national television on the Johnny Carson show. (laughs) And uh, if you go back and listen to the assassination of Jim Garrison, you can hear it for yourself. Now these guys... Their identities, uh, who they are, is very much a hotly debated topic in the research community. Um, I guess just chronologically, uh, you know, we can start out, you know, when they first made their appearance at at Jim Garrison, uh, with Jim Garrison, um, they were used as a point to illustrate that we haven't been told the whole truth, and uh, you know, this is true. The They weren't really investigated by the FBI uh, or the Warren Commission. Uh, there was a lot of people other than um, Lee Harvey Oswald arrested that day um, in connection with the murder of the president. And a, a lot of that was kept under wraps. You know, uh, we got Donald Wayne House that was arrested. Um, we got these three tramps that were arrested. We have a, you know, a well-to-do oil man that was arrested. We have uh, John Elrod who was arrested. Uh, Bill Frazier was arrested. And, um, and on and on, and some we probably don't even still know about. But to get back to the tramps a little bit, what makes these guys so mysterious? You know... Just from looking at the pictures, and and everybody, you can go go over to tlgpodcast.com where you can find this episode, and I will put up pictures of the three tramps. If you've never seen them before, I will put up some pictures of people who have been alleged to be the tramps, also for a point of reference to, so you can see what I'm talking about here today. Um, I believe when we next see them, they pop up in a group or a, a book um, called Coup d'Etat in America by A.J. Weberman and uh, Michael Canfield. And in this book, and I have it, and uh, they try to identify these tramps. Now, their identification of these tramps, I believe, is E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis. 
and I'm not sure who they identified as the the uh, the guy that was first in line, the shorter guy with dark hair. Um, I'd have to get out my book and look, but I, I remember they had an overlay, like a plastic overlay of the outline of like E. Howard Hunt, and you could put it on a picture of the tramp, and you could see how it kind of lined up. And uh, you know, I believe the book came out. I want. I, I'm not even going to attempt to make a guess because I don't want to seem like an idiot. But I, for some reason, I'm thinking the '70s. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Probably am. So let's take a look at who these guys have been alleged to be. You know, they were alleged to be E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis. I've heard the shorter fella in front with dark hair has been alleged to be Charles Rogers, David Christ. Um, Holt identified him as Montoya. Um, now, the old tramp has been identified as E. Howard Hunt, uh, who denied it, by the way. Um, and this other fellow who claimed to be that tramp, Chauncey Holt. And the taller tramp has, of course, been uh, deemed Frank Sturgis. And uh, another identification made by Holt of the tall tramp is Charles Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's father. Now, herein lies the problem when we get to photo identification. Um, you know, according according to the arrest reports, which we did not have for a long, long time. You know, it wasn't until the late '80s when when the Dallas police files. Uh, when they most of them became public, and they were, you know, the public was allowed to to dive into them, that the arrest reports for these three tramps were found, and their names were Harold Doyle, Gus Abrams, and was it John Jedney? Yes, it was John Jedney. Now, I'm going to read to you a little description that they have on each of these arrest reports for each of these individuals. Now, Harold Doyle um, states that he was with Gus Abrams and John Jedney, John Forrester Jedney, when they, when they were arrested. Um, it says, these men were getting on a boxcar on a train right after President Kennedy was shot. These men are all... I don't know what that says through. They have no jobs, etc. And that's Harold Doyle's. It says that he was... Well... The charge is... I can't even read it. Something in robbery. It's hard to tell. Uh, let's see if we can see it better on uh, John Jedney's says they were arrested in the rail yards at Elm and Houston. Same charges. Same people he was with. Um, these men were taken off a boxcar in the railroad yards right after President Kennedy was shot. They are passing through town. They have no means of support. That was John Jedney. Now Gus Abrams says this. These men were taken off a train boxcar in the rail yards right after President Kennedy was shot. They are passing through town. They have no jobs or any means of making a living. And it looks like uh, a fellow by the name of W.J. Chambers was the arresting officer on all three here. Um, and we have them being released... On eleven twenty-six, so they were held for four days. They were let go at nine a.m. All three of them on eleven twenty-six of sixty-three. So they were held in custody for 
four days. Um, for I'm trying to figure out what that what that is. Covage. It's one of the charges. Co Covage. Maybe maybe something in short for vagrancy. Maybe. Um, it's quite possible. Vagrancy and robbery. Um, they all three say vagrancy and robbery. So I'm not sure what exactly they were robbing. Whether you know they considered hopping a train as robbery back then. So I don't know. Um, now a lot of conspiracy theorists have stated, you know, that they're they're not convinced by these arrest reports of who these people are. Um, you can find some interviews out there uh, with Harold Doyle, who we might listen to a little later in the show, just just as a frame of reference for you to hear. Um, they tracked him down, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. Had to be early 90s. Um, and, you know, he stated they had him in Dealey Plaza, and they, he said exactly what they did, and, um, you know, this, that, and the other. And he said what happened. And, um, you know, just from photographs of Harold Doyle, John Jedney, and Gus Abrams, to me and my eyes, it's them. The lead guy clearly looks like Harold Doyle to me. Um, you know, the other two, you know, it's 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 hard to say because they were so much older and, and age had taken such a toll on them. But I could see, definitely see a resemblance. Um, and I'm convinced that the three guys we see in all these pictures... I think they were taken by Jack Beers, I'm not sure, um, of these tramps being paraded through Dealey Plaza, are in fact the people that we have the arrest reports for. Harold Doyle, John Jedney, and Gus Abrams. To me, that's I'm convinced of that. Now, herein lies the problem. Um, you know, I'm friends with uh, Karen Holt Harcourt, who is is very prominent in uh, on Facebook and in some of the groups there, and she is the daughter of Chauncey Holt. Um, now Chauncey Holt came forth in the early '90s, I believe, and claimed to be the old tramp. Um, the problem I have with that is I'm just not convinced by the photographic evidence that it's him. Um, he would have been approximately 40 years old in 1963. We have photos of what Chauncey Holt looked like in 1963. And I'm just not convinced that it's him. And Karen is a very nice lady. And, uh, you know, I'm not calling anybody a liar. I just want to... You know, before I back some kind of theory, there needs to be proof. Uh, you know, as you know from listening to this podcast, that uh, stories without proof, some kind of proof, uh, just don't hold up with me. Um, you need some kind of evidence, some kind of proof other than just a story. You know, stories are great. Stories are fantastic. Uh, and that's all some people need is a story. I mean... You know, you know. While while I do fall on the conspiracy side of things, I, you know, I'm not one of these crazy conspiracy theorists where I believe anything anybody tells me. I like for there to be some kind of a evidentiary primary source record of something. And people might say, "Well, of course they're not going to have you know the documents for you to see this, that, and the other," but. There's got to be something other than just a story, um, you know. And, f and from what I've what I've heard and read about Chauncey Holt's life is that you know he lived he led a very uh, 
awesome life. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was a money man for the mafia. You know, he was a trapeze artist. Um, he was a, a firearms expert. He was, you know, in the military. He knew how to fl- fly planes. He, uh, you know, according to him, he went to the the seals and flaps school, learned how to forge documents. He was a a very a very good painter. Um, you know, the man led a fascinating life, irregardless of whether or not he was the tramp in Dilly Plaza. Aside, you know, he led a pretty cool life. You know, uh, full of intrigue and and and, and cool stuff. Um, the problem I have is is the timing of things um you know we have of course that book coup d'etat in america that identified e howard hunt as the tramp and back at the time you know it was you know it wasn't forensic science by any means but it was fairly accepted by most conspiracy oriented people that you know that Howard Hunt was this tramp, and then he was in Dallas, and he was in the CIA, and they were behind it all. And of course, um, you know this is what what the trial in the eighties with Mark Lane and, and E. Howard Hunt and the Liberty Lob- Liberty Lobby, and yes, I said it right, yes, the Liberty Lobby, uh, you know, the Spotlight Trial. Um, you know, there was some focus. There was some focus. And uh, let me just say this about E. Howard Hunt for a minute. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't put much weight in the deathbed confession. Um, I've heard that there's more to it than what we what we've been shown um, that could lead to it being more easily debunked, um, as far as people that he impl- implemented in the uh, assassination. He himself claims that he was a bench warmer, that he was on the sidelines, that he really didn't do anything, um, that he wasn't even in Dallas. Now, the whole point of the Liberty Lobby trial was to kind of prove that he was in Dallas and that it wasn't slander or libel um, that the, the, the spotlight had been talking about him and saying that he was in Dallas, um, you know, it was kind of up to him to prove that he wasn't in Dallas. And, you know, that that long afterwards, it's kind of hard to do. But just from facial analysis, my own, by the way, you know, and I've got a pretty good eye for photography and people's facial structures. I know what to look for. I know about space between the eyes. I know about, um, you know, People that have might have one eye a little higher than the other, or you know the distance between the bottom of the nose and the top of the mouth, you know the, the chins, the jawline, the ear shape, um, the set. I I know what to look for, and from my eyes and comparing it with photos we have of E. Howard Hunt from 1963. To me, it's not him either. Um. I think both E. Howard Hunt and Chauncey Holt just lacked the the facial sagging of this older gentleman that it, it appeared much older than than forty years old. I mean, I'm forty one now, and I no matter what I did to my face, I couldn't I couldn't pass for. Um, you know, six sixty-some-year-old man. It just—it just couldn't happen. Um, no matter how hard I tried. So, um, you know, whether it was the use of prosthetics, makeup. To me, examining the photos, there's no evidence of any of that in use. Um, you know, while wearing shabby clothes and maybe not taking a shower for a couple of days could make you look a little different than you normally would. Um, all three of these guys were pretty much clean shaven. You know, they didn't have any beard growth. Um, the guy in front, Harold Doyle, he wasn't dressed too terribly bad. Didn't look like to me. 
Um, the tall tramp, he kind of had a suit jacket on, which, you know, I, I don't know. I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know what hobos or tramps would have looked like back in the early 60s. I mean, I know what they look like now. Um, but back then, it's hard to tell what they would have been wearing. I, you know, I, can't, I have no, I have no idea, uh, to be honest with you. I imagine they didn't have many clothes, um, and they just might have had what they had when they had money, um, and just wore the hell out of it. Probably didn't wash it very often, but uh, that's just my own little personal analysis of that there, because you know it's really hard to tell what tramps and hobos would look like back then. People said, oh, well, the shoes look new. Uh, you know, two guys have sport jackets on. Uh, their their clothes look too uh, clean. You know, we it's, you can't go off any of that stuff at all. You can't. Um, but to me, and, and, and just what I'm seeing with my own two eyes... I don't see Chauncey Holt in the old tramp. And I could be wrong. I don't know. This is just my opinion, people. You know, you can go look at the photos and, and determine for yourself. I just don't see it. I don't see Chauncey Holt and I don't see E. Howard Hunt. Um, now let's get to the tall tramp, okay? People said that it looks like Frank Sturgis, Okay. Now, the problem is that Frank Sturgis has never been a CIA agent. Um, he was maybe contracted, but he was more of a mercenary than, you know, a, a, a CIA agent. I mean, you wouldn't have E. Howard Hunt, a CIA agent, working with a mercenary and working with a professional assassin. You know, I, I just don't see how that, that relationship would, would, would come to pass, but... um. It's hard to say, but just from going by pictures of what Frank Sturgis looked like and comparing them to the tall tramp, you know, while they both do have these weird kind of like dark circly eyes, um, to me, the jaw structure is wrong. Uh, the hairline's wrong. Um, you know, to me, it just does not look like Frank Sturgis is that tall tramp. And I don't, I don't know how tall Frank Sturgis was. Uh, you know, that could be a factor too as well. Um, but uh, now we'll get to the, was it Charles Harrelson identification. Um, we have that name thanks to Chauncey Holt who identified the tall tramp as Charles Harrelson, Woody Harrelson's father. Now, after Woody Har or after Woody, after Charles Harrelson was arrested for murdering a judge in Texas, um, in prison he 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 uh, he stated that he was involved in the Kennedy assassination. So he made the admission before Chauncey Holt made the identification. Now, Charles Harrelson never said he was a tramp. He never said that. He was the one shooting. He just said he was involved in it. That he knew things. He knew people. Um, and the man was a killer. You know, I'm sure if you paid him enough, he would kill who, you know <laughs> whoever you wanted him to kill. You know, it it makes sense. But once again, it comes down to photo identification. And I'm sorry, but I don't see it now. We have a you can't take what Charles Harrelson looks like in the eighties, okay, with his, you know, poofed back, slick hair, and the way his face looks then. Okay. We have a mugshot of Charles Harrelson from nineteen sixty. And I'll be damned if he don't look like Woody from Cheers. His son. Okay, you know, way back when Woody Harrelson was on Cheers, you remember what he looked like? Well, if you forget, just go look at Charles Harrelson's 1960 mugshot. Now, three years later, okay, he wouldn't have changed very much in three years. 
he would have looked very much like his son, Woody. Now, the tall tramp, to me, looks nothing like Woody Harrelson. Nor does it look like a young Charles Harrelson in 1963. You know, you got to get out of your mind, Charles Harrelson from the 70s and 80s. Okay, and, and, and the way he looked then. Okay, he would he would have been a very young man in 1963. Um, you know, we're talking mid 20s. So, to me, the tall tramp looks to be, I would say, at least in his mid 30s. Um, and once again, I don't know how tall Charles Harrelson is. You know, so I, I can't really give you a height analysis there. But just from visually looking, it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, to me, it's clear that it's not Charles Harrelson. But that's just me. Now, it you know, it is intriguing. Is it or is it, you know, just a big coincidence that, you know, you have these figures associated with murder and, and the Kennedy assassination and the CIA is it just a big coincidence that that they kind of look like these tramps? I mean, because they do kind of, but kind of don't cut it, okay? When, when we need to pick a positive identification and be absolutely sure of what we're looking at here. Okay, now let's get to the third tramp, the one, the guy out in front, the short guy, dark hair. Um... He's been identified by many people as Charles Rogers. Okay. Now, here's my problem with that. We have pictures uh, that have been identified as Charles Rogers from high school and right after he joined the military. So he'd have been, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. But we got nothing after that. Because apparently the guy murdered his parents and sawed them up and stuffed them in the refrigerator. Sounds like a real nice guy. But I'm not convinced that we have a true picture of Charles Rogers, whoever this guy was. You know, they claimed he was a bad dude. But anyway, we have a couple pictures of who is alleged to be Charles Rogers. And I'm sorry but they look nothing like the front tramp. Nothing, nothing. As far as facial structure, eyes, jawline. Because the front tramp has a very unique looking jawline. It kind of juts out at the chin. And uh, distinct, distinct frown lines. Eyes, hairline, um, and I'm sorry, but the man looks like Harold Doyle. Now, I've done a side-by-side, like mirror image comparison, and I'll post it on TLG webs- or my TLGpodcast.com website. Yeah, I, I think I might know the name of it. TLGpodcast.com. I'll post it up there. You've never seen it anywhere before. I did it myself. And you will plainly see that this man looks just like Harold Doyle. When you see a mirror image of, of, of these two men and their face, their faces, it's undeniable. It's undeniable to me. Now, there was a lady by the name of Lois Gibson. And back in the early 90s, she was the composite artist for the Houston Police Department. Very renowned, very respected. Who apparently did an analysis of the three tramps against Chauncey Holt, Charles Harrelson, and Charles Rogers. And I've got a little news clip here that I'm going to read you. And you're going to hear... I'm not going to read it to you. You're going to hear um, Lois Gibson in her own words describe 
her discovery. And you're going to hear a little bit of from Chauncey Holt and uh, what he is alleging to be involved in. All right. So check this out. I'll be back in about two and a half minutes. School book depository. The lot was swarming with faces he knew from days when he worked to help set up the CIA's Bay of Pigs invasion. And, he says, he met two other men, the other tramps in the photograph. This man he knew only as Montoya. But this man, he says, he knew well. His name was Charles Harrelson. He said to me, are you O'Malley? And I said, yes. He said, I'm Harrelson. Charles Harrelson was a contract killer now in prison for killing Texas federal judge John Wood. When arrested for Wood's killing, Harrelson claimed killing a judge was nothing to someone who had killed a president. Chauncey Holt says he'd been told to stay in the book depository parking lot, wait for some sort of incident, and if anything went wrong, he should run to a specific boxcar on a parked train. Then he heard shots and ran. You could still hear that... Uh, people yelling that the president has been shot. So I knew that uh, we, had been, uh, we had been set up. And there is more than just Holt's word. There is also his face. Lois Gibson is the Houston Police Department's forensic artist. She made comparisons of Holt and the tramp in the photographs. This is just conclusive to me that that's the same man. She also compared pictures of Charles Harrelson with the tramp photo. Again, a perfect match. I'll stake my reputation on it for sure. Chauncey Holt does not claim to know who shot Kennedy, but he says he is sure most of the shots did not come from the book depository, but came from close by, from the grassy knoll. If I am believed, it would lay to rest these ideas that Jack Ruby and Lee Harvey Oswald were just nuts that passed in the night. We've been researching Chauncey Holt's story, talking to scholars, ex-CIA agents, and many others. Some say Holt's story is bunk, but others believe him. And all admit that if he is a fake, he's not just a wacko. He is playing either a well-schooled, elaborately detailed role, or he's telling the truth. It's Ch intriguing. Have you talked to, Char to Charles Harrelson we about have, it? We have not talked to Charles Harrelson yet. He is currently in Marion, Illinois, in the federal penitentiary. We have are in the process of asking uh -huh. for permission to talk to him. Has anybody corroborated this story that he's telling? A number of individuals that we've spoken to have corroborated little bits and pieces of it. One of the problems is the story that he tells is so detailed it goes all the way back to 1941 mm -hmm. and carries on all the way through the 80s. The Kennedy portion of the story that he tells is just a very small part. Of course, it's the most important right now. Fascinating. Now, you just heard Lois Gibson saying that she would stake her reputation <clears throat> on her identification of these three tramps. And you also heard Chauncey Holt positively identify Charles Harrelson as one of the shooters. And if he is to be believed, uh, he says. Now, I've watched the presentation. There's a presentation on YouTube. It's like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes long of Lois Gibson going into very, very elaborate detail of how she came to her decision of identifying these men as Chauncey Holt, Charles Harrelson, and Charles Rogers. And I would encourage everybody out there to watch it. I'll put a link up on uh, tlgpodcast.com of that presentation, and you can decide for yourself. Um, personally, you know, while... Lois Gibson might be a respected sketch artist. I think it takes it's a very special skill to be able to recreate from someone else's memory a sketch of a suspect or perpetrator that that matches what the person is telling you. <clears throat> I think that's a very special skill. And one that, you know, somebody like that could specialize in and be good at. Now, when it comes to anthropologically identifying real live people and comparing them to other real live people, that's something totally different. 
than what Lois Gibson specializes in. Okay, you know, it's not you're not just drawing what somebody's telling you to draw. Um, it's a it's a very different process. And if Lois Gibson wants to stake her reputation on it, then okay. Uh, I wouldn't be willing to do that or go th quite that far. Um, probably because I don't agree with it. Um, you know, and and most people I run into, most people have come to the realization, especially after the, their arrest reports have come to light, and you see the real people, you know, like Harold Doyle in real life, and, you know, you can compare the tramp photos to the way they look now. To me, it's clearly evident, and to a lot of other people as well, that the three tramps are 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 nothing more than tramps. <laughs> okay, you know, Harold Doyle tells the tale that, you know, that he was working at a restaurant, he lost his job, he had, you know, lost his wife or whatever, and, uh, you know, they were just cruising around the country, you know, doing whatever. And uh, they all three, I think, eventually settled in different locations. Um, but, you know, it's still a very hotly debated topic in any form or group. Whenever somebody mentions the tramps, there's always going to be an argument because you're always going to have people who claim that, oh, you know, these old school people, it's Howard Hunt. You know, there's no doubt about it. Look at the picture. Look at Howard Hunt. It's him. He's there. You know, because you also have, along with the identification, you have a story. And, of course, the Marita Lorenz story where she, she says that there was a paymaster named Eduardo, who she knows as Eduardo, that met with Sturgis in a hotel room before the assassination, handed him money. And Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby were there, and they handed them money. And there was guns and... You know, and everything just kind of feeds into into everything else. And what was always interesting to me was the timing that Chauncey Holt came out and said, "Hey, I'm I'm the tramp, the old tramp." And of course, this is you know after plausible denial by Mark Lane came out. And it's interesting to me that you know maybe maybe. Chauncey Holt coming out and saying this and I, and and looking somewhat passively like this guy you know could have been done to deflect you know any heat that was going towards E. Howard Hunt at the time um, to try to clear him or clear his name you know I don't know you know I'm sure Chauncey Holt was had ties to the CIA. He could have been told, "Hey, man, we need you to you know come out and say you were this old tramp." Blah 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 blah. You know we need to throw the get some of the heat off of Howard Hunt, and uh, you know you you really look like the guy. You can pull it off. You know, boom. I don't know. It just always seemed odd to me about the timing of this. Um. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but. So, another theory that I've been kicking around for some time is, as I said before, you know, these three tramps that were picked up, that were photographed, that were booked and arrested on uh, common vagrancy, I think that's what it is, and robbery, were held for four days. They were released on 11-26 of 63. And... The Chauncey Holt version says they were led over to the uh, the sheriff's office or the, or the police. I think it was the sheriff's office. They were led over there and they were talked to and then immediately turned loose. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I believe Chauncey Holt had some kind of identification on him. Uh, I know he supposedly said that he brought Secret Service identification badges that he had... Um, forged and had left on the seat of a truck or something for some people to get. Um, I'd have to go back and you know get the details of the story, but something that I'd affect that um, 
so what he says, they, they didn't actually go to jail. They were just talked to and released immediately. So what I'm saying is there's a possibility that there was two sets of tramps. The ones we see photographed who were Doyle, Abrams, and Jedney. There might have been another set of tramps that was Charles Harrelson, Chauncey Holt, and this Montoya guy, whoever the hell he was, uh, that weren't photographed. I don't know. You know, the, the chances of it are extremely unlikely um, that there would be two sets of tramps that had, they both had comprised of three men who had almost a double quality to them, you know, meaning that they would look so much like the other set of tramps when I don't know how you could organize like that, something like that ahead of time or why you would organize something like that ahead of time where you would have three real hobos and then you would get these secret service or not secret service, uh, CIA guys and uh, assassins that look like these real tramps and <clears throat> you know, just that 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 kind of thinking doesn't make sense either when you really start to parse it out. And then, of course, we have the story of the fourth tramp, and his name is John Elrod. And I'm going to read you a little bit of his arrest report um, from Dallas on eleven twenty two. 63. And now he was arrested uh, for investigation of murder and common vagrancy. Um, this man was arrested on railroad tracks a few minutes after radio call was dispatched that man was walking along railroad carrying a rifle. This man was not carrying a rifle at the time of the arrest. This subject is unemployed, state that he has been in Dallas for two weeks, lost his job last week at El Phoenix. States he has been arrested for theft and DWI in the past. Now this arresting officer is M.A. Rhodes and Hellenhausen, I think it is, and Barnard and Hart. And it doesn't have a date of release on the arrest report. But it does have a time. He was arrested at 2:45 p.m. Um, and at the bottom, where it says it sh where you know it should have a release time, it just says. Looks like it says, "Gone, gone." Whatever that means. And I'm trying to read the time. Yeah, the time on the three tramps, the time of their arrest, looks to be 4 p.m. Yep, they all say 4 p.m. So, this was quite a long time after, relative to the president's assassination, that the, that the three tramps were photographed, tromping through Dealey Plaza and arrested Although their arrest reports say that they were taken off a train uh, car in the rail yard right after President Kennedy was shot. I mean, I don't know if they were, weren't booked until 4, but I'm just telling you what, what the uh, the time says on here. They all three say 4 o'clock. And like I said, John Franklin Elrod was arrested at 2.45 p.m. on the railroad tracks. Yeah, Gus Abrams, the old tramp, was 53 years old at the time. He was born in 1910. Okay. And, uh, you know, he looks like he had had a rough life. Um. Harold Doyle, by comparison, was born in uh, 1930. He would have been 33 years old at the time, which appears to be about the right age 
Um, and John Jedney, the tall tramp, was 38 at the time, born in 1925, looks like. So those were all the ages and everything. But now, John Elrod's story is a is an odd one, and it intrigues the hell out of me. Because this is a guy who didn't go looking for the fame. He didn't write a book. He did not want to be found. Okay, He was found reluctantly by Ray and Mary LaFontaine, the authors of Oswald Talked. Now, in their going through the DPD files, of course, they found the arrest reports for the three tramps. But they also found one for this guy. And they tracked him down. Um, he had moved to Tennessee and uh, lived, they said in the piece that he lived on an island. Um, but it was actually somewhere near Memphis. I don't know if there's Memphis Island, somewhere near a river there. I'm not sure. Um, maybe some of you Tennessee. Doug, help a brother out. Where you know? I don't know where an island is around there. Um, but anyway, I, I do know that he moved to Memphis shortly after he left Texas. And he went to the FBI there in Memphis, and he told them, you know, <coughs> that he had been in Dallas at the time of the assassination, that he was in a cell with Lee Oswald, and uh, they didn't believe him because Dallas said they had no records uh, of arresting this man. And, uh, you know, it was pretty much forgotten for almost 30 years until he was tracked down by Ray and Mary LaFontaine. And the story he tells is just insane if it's true. Um, so let's have a listen and we can listen to John Elrod in his own words. This is <clears throat> a news piece from Hard Copy. And the people interviewing him, you're going to hear Ray and Mary LaFontaine in the piece. Uh, and they also talk to John Elrod's brother. So without further ado, let's get right into it. This is about uh, seven and a half minutes long, and I'll be back when it's over. New clues in the Kennedy assassination tonight. A new book titled Oswald Talked reveals never-before-heard evidence in the case. And some of the revelations come from Lee Harvey Oswald's own cellmate. The Warren Commission never heard from him, and the House Assassination Committee didn't interview him. But John Elrod may be the most important witness yet in the slain of John F. Kennedy. Because on the day the president died, he was thrown into a jail cell with Lee Harvey Oswald. The images are still disturbing, even after all these years. An open motorcade on a sunny Dallas afternoon. A young president and his glamorous first lady. Then tragedy. For 30 years, we've been told the alleged assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, was a deranged, solitary figure, working alone when he fired a cheap mail-order rifle at the president. For over three decades, we've been told that Jack Ruby was also acting alone when he murdered Oswald. He's been shot. He's been shot. But that was before we learned about this man's close encounter with Lee Harvey Oswald in the Dallas City Jail. Did he look nervous, sir? I imagine we were all nervous. When you say the word nervous, I say worried. It was here, on the day the president died, that John Elrod learned about an alleged secret meeting between Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby. A meeting that happened just days before, involving guns, gangsters, and money. But for the last 33 years, John Elrod has kept that secret. He's been in hiding, afraid to admit what he knows. But with the help of his family, Hard Copy found him on an obscure island. He talked about Dallas. And even after all this time, he was still worried. See, right now I'm saying things that could, could really get me in trouble. It's not going to get you in trouble. You're telling the truth. Yeah. And you the, know... The, the truth can get you killed, too. You take Osmo. A lot of people think he's innocent. It's dead. He's gone. I could be innocent. I could be gone next week if 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 
the wrong thing is said. And this is the sheriff's uh, letter stating that Elrod came in. With the story of John Elrod would still be hidden were it not for Hollywood director Oliver Stone. His movie, JFK, caused such a public outcry that the Dallas police decided to release long hidden records. There's been more in the files than I ever thought would be there. There's been several startling revelations that have come out that have not made their way into the mainstream uh, media. And that's how investigative journalists Ray and Mary LaFontaine discovered Elrod's existence while working on their new book, Oswald Talked. They found long-lost Dallas police files for the afternoon the president was shot. It was about 2.45 p.m. Oswald was already in custody. I didn't shoot anybody, sir. I haven't been told what I'm here for. Somebody reported seeing a man with a rifle not far from Ely Plaza. When the police arrived, they spotted John Elrod. He didn't have a gun, but they took him in anyway. They put him in a cell with Oswald. Oswald had been roughed up by the cops. I, I, I can't say for sure, but in my mind, I thought that he was bruised slightly, somewhere around this, this, this area in here. John Elrod's brother, Lindy, remembers what happened next. He told John, he said, I did not shoot no president. John said, I know I didn't shoot no president. I believe that, that Oswald told Johnny something and he just don't want to come out with it. I don't know what happened, really don't know what happened, and never, probably never will know. But something, to me, put a fright in Johnny. The most obviously frightening thing that occurred happened in the basement. While millions of TV viewers watched, Lee Harvey Oswald was gunned down by Jack Ruby. It scared the hell out of me because uh, I knew Jack Ruby. But something else scared John Elrod too. According to newly discovered documents, Elrod was tormented by what he knew. Nine months after the assassination, he showed up at the sheriff's office in Memphis and said he had information concerning the murder of Lee Oswald. The FBI was called in. He told them that back in the Dallas jail, his cellmate had talked about a motel room meeting where money changed hands. It was some sort of gun deal, and Jack Ruby was at the meeting too. Now, Oswald was never mentioned in the FBI report, but if the story checks out, it is extraordinary because it places Ruby and Oswald together just days before the assassination, something that the Warren Commission, the 1979 House Committee on Assassinations, and 30 years of independent investigations have failed to do. And it appears there really was such a gun-running plot. Because just three days before Elrod's jailhouse encounter in Dallas, there was a high-speed police chase. Two ex-cons crashed a car loaded with guns. One of the men worked for Jack Ruby. And at the time, Ruby was suspected of gun-running. The basic facts of the gun deal are true facts from an actual case that the FBI was involved in. But in 1964, when the Memphis FBI tried to check out John Elrod's story, the Dallas field office said he wasn't even in jail the day JFK died. So the Memphis FBI closed their file. Yet newly discovered police records prove that Elrod was in jail. So the question is, was there a cover-up? It does indicate that the FBI concealed it and covered it up quickly that they didn't want any loose ends, and that only conforms to the larger pattern of what Hoover did, John uh, J. Edgar Hoover, by closing down any serious investigation. So what was John Elrod's big secret? Perhaps the biggest secret of all. The knowledge that when Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald, he was killing somebody he knew, somebody he wanted to keep quiet. Today, when confronted with the FBI report, John Elrod admits he told the FBI that Oswald was his cellmate, but he says he never told them anything about guns, gangsters, or Ruby. Well, what did you tell him? I just told him I was, I was arrested for the, for the murder down there, and I was in the cell with Oswald, and that was it. We tried to reassure him. Try to tell him that the more people who know the truth, the safer he will be. But he does not believe us. Whatever else he knows, our secrets, he may take to his grave. If he tried to tell it and nobody listened, it probably will never tell it again.
Despite repeated requests for an interview, the FBI declined to comment on our report. Big shocker there, right? <laughs> now, you know, you heard in that little piece what the crux of Elrod's story was. This guy, Donnell Witter, uh, worked for, for Jack Ruby. Um, they were running guns. And <clears throat> as one of the footnotes in Oswald Talks, states a FOIA response from the National Archives to researcher Bill Adams uh, in October 93 noted that the Witter information cannot be released for the following FBI-directed reason. The public disclosure of the assassination record would reveal a security or protective procedure currently utilized or reasonably expected to be utilized by the Secret Service or another government agency responsible for protecting government officials and public disclosure would be so harmful that it outweighs the public interest. <laughs> so, well, it goes on to say, in 1994, following publication of the author's Washington Post article uh, that, that spawned this book called The Fourth Tramp, Oswald's Lost Sailmate, and the Gunrunners of Dallas, FBI headquarters finally released the 14-page Witter document. So, yeah, I mean, the guy had a rap sheet, like, as long as your arm. Now, what's interesting is, is also not alluded to in that little piece there, but, you know, part of Elrod's story is tied in with a bust, of course, of, of Witter and Miller, who were, they were these gun runners, and they were associated with uh, John Thomas Mason, who's been alleged in the lore he was a, he was a gun store owner he was a, one of the few that carried man the carcano ammunition um and also could possibly have been an oswald double um as alleged by some um now atf agent ellsworth frank ellsworth discussed the arrest of an arms dealer john thomas mason in dallas and indicated that the dealer is a member of the minutemen and may be associated with the john birch society he indicated that he furnished this information to the Bureau. The Bureau did nothing with the information, as you'll see in Chapter 10. Now, this is interesting because, as we've been talking about, um, you know, when it comes to who was behind this thing and what, what possible links, you know, that these extreme right-wing guys would have to people like Jack Ruby and Lee Oswald in Dallas. You know, you, you come to find out that many, many of these um, people there were involved in these organizations. The Birchers, the Klan, the Minutemen, uh, many of them were cops as well. Um, in fact, one of the cops marching these guys through Dealey Plaza has a Ku Klux Klan patch on the arm of his Dallas police uniform. So, you know, take 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 that with what you will. Um, you know, I'm not sure what else, you know, we can we can say about these tramps other than you got to make up your own mind, people. Um, look at the pictures yourself. Think about the evidence and what makes sense. Okay. We have stories. We have unfounded allegations. And then we have actual arrest reports. We have actual people that look like the people that were paraded through Dealey Plaza. Harold Doyle, Gus Abrams, and John Jedney. Look at the photographs for yourself. Make up your own mind. Yes, Holt and Hunt look like the old tramp. Vaguely. Okay, but not exactly. And to have a positive identification, we need exactly, okay? And we also need some evidence. And at least we have the arrest report for Doyle, Jedney, and Abrams. We have allegations of Hunt being in Dallas. That's all we have. No substantiated evidence of it whatsoever. Other than the testimony of Marita Lorenz and, uh, allegations we have Chauncey Holt who tells a nice story but we have absolutely no proof whatsoever 
Okay, that, that they were there. And another thing that struck me as odd when he told his little story there in that news piece, that that Harrelson came up to him and said, "Yeah, you're O'Malley, right?" Using a fake name. And uh, that that Harrelson told him, "Well, I'm Harrelson," using his real name. So that doesn't really make sense. Okay, why would why would Holt, Chauncey Holt, use a fake name and Harrelson just hi I'm Charles Harrelson you can just call me Harrelson um so you know you you take a sniff test on these things and you know they gotta go in that category if without any evidence you gotta put them over in the James Files Judy Baker you know and, and this whole crew of people with great stories but no evidence whatsoever to back them up. I wish it wasn't like that, but unfortunately, it is. But anyway, head over to TLGpodcast.com. Look for yourself. See the pictures yourself. Let me know what you think. Um, I want to. I want to hear about it. And and you know, don't just buy into whatever supports your little theory. If the CIA was behind it, then it was Hunt. Or Holt, you know, or if you're from the from the cuckoo camp, you know, where you got Charles Harrelson down here, and you got uh, you know, Lloyd Factor, and and the, you know all these other crazy things going on, Roderick McKenzie. Um, stick to what we can prove, and what the documents are telling us, and what your eyes tell you. You really have to learn and develop these skills of cognitive identification. Look at the eyes, look at the mouth, look at the nose, look at the ears, look at the jawline, look at the brow. Not just a resemblance, we need a positive identification. And it's very hard to do from photographs alone, but, you know, it's 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 possible. But anyway, that's it for this week, people, and... uh Coming up next week on the show, I'm going to have Carmine Savastano swing by. And we're going to get into more about debunking E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis when it comes to the Kennedy assassination and why we like to put them there. So make sure you tune in for that. And uh, thank you, everyone that's been supporting the show and sharing the show. And if, if you listen on iTunes... Please help me out. Give me a five-star rating. Leave a little review. Um, I don't care if it's good or bad. Uh, Hopefully good. But uh, it helps out. Um, It gets more eyes on the show. The more uh, you leave a positive review or or a review, uh, period. Um, And I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, everybody that's been following me on Spreaker, uh, who's been sharing links to the show on social media. I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Dallas Action over on Spreaker. And my buddy Chuck Ocelli on American Freedom Radio. And uh, I guess that's it, people. The sun bitch is in the can. Beaming up the satellite down directly to your ears. This is your boy. Peace. Keeping my head down Something, something that moved me now I shot straight as an arrow You caught me in your bullseye Who knew two could have fit so
do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt Bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.